Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 11. Why don't we look at our screens and let's read this out loud and read it loudly and fill this house with the voice of God's word today. Let's say, none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. Can you say that last part? All shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. Lord, we open our hearts to your word. Teach us about worship, we pray. In Jesus' name. I'm going to give you three points about what worship is. And point number one is this. Worship is personal. Worship is personal. This scripture says, he says, in these days, which is the days we live now, they shall all know me. He was quoting from the book of Jeremiah. And he said this, virtually just quoted this straight out of the book of Jeremiah. And then he says it in Hebrews 8, and then he says it a couple of chapters later, almost this whole passage again. And he's saying, in these days, this is what's going to happen. My heart is not to be distant from people. My heart is to know people. Listen, God wants to know you personally. God wants you to know him personally. See, you might think, well, duh, I've heard that all my life. No, listen, most people, I don't believe, know God. I mean, they may have a relationship with God. There's people who have a relationship. They're in relationship with, say, their father. And they say, yeah, I'm the, I know who my father is. He lives over in Brazil, and I met him once. Well, you have no fellowship with him. You don't know him, but you're in his family. There's people who are, I believe, in the family of God. They just don't know him personally. See, back in the day, the priests were the ones who represented God to people. Prophets represented God to people, excuse me, priests represented people to God. So if you did something wrong, you'd bring it to the priest, you'd say, hey, I lied, I stole, I did something. They would come and they would bring an offering as a representation for your sin, and they would represent your sin, and then you were covered, you were taken care of, okay? Um, also, they would teach you. You would have to write down his law on your head, write it on, uh, on, on a doorpost. You'd write it somewhere, and you would learn about this external God who loves you. You'd learn it through him, about him through people. I believe most people still learn God that way. They still learn God through other people, and they're trying to understand God by just listening to what other people have to say about him. But can I tell you, there's a better way. There's a better way to know God. You have to know God by being with him, by listening to him, by connecting with him personally. And here's what the scripture says. He says, in that day, they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Have you ever met someone before or you've heard about someone, should I say, before? Maybe they were a boss, or maybe they were someone, a dignitary, and you heard that they were mean or shrewd, and they had like a reputation about that. And then one day you came across them, and you met them personally, and you had a conversation with them, and maybe they stopped and talked with you, and you got to, uh, you know, to hear their heart, and they heard your heart, and you just thought, they're not such a bad person at all. Does that ever happen to you? They're not such a bad person at all. And when someone starts talking about them, say, no, you know, uh, I actually met them, and, uh, they're not that bad. I mean, that's, I had the wrong perception of them. 
See, a lot of times you have the wrong people have the wrong person until you meet them, until you know them. I think that most people have the wrong perception of God because they don't know him. Or they've only heard about God from people who've heard about God. Not, about pe- not from people who know God. See, in the Bible, the Bible said that they looked at Jesus' disciples, some of the people around, and they said, we perceive that they're ignorant and unlearned men, but we do know that they've been with Jesus. See, they know Jesus. And I'll tell you what we need to be. We need to be a people. It's not about our knowledge of of God. It's not about our knowledge about all the religious things, what to do, what not to do. You could know the word, you could know the Bible and quote it from front to back and back to front, but still not know God. There are people who teach theology who aren't even professed believers but they can teach about the books in the Bible, but they just don't see into the Bible because they don't know God. See, theology, I have a degree in theology, and theology is, theo is God, and ology is the study of. It's the study of God. But just because I have a study of God doesn't mean I know God. It's two different things. Just because I, if I wanted to get to know Tiffany, I don't go buy a book, The Study of Women. And then I say, I know her. I've already read the book. No, I don't know her. I may have some perceived ideas about the person. Maybe the person who wrote the book had a bad experience with women. And he may give it. That's what happens, I believe, is the world doesn't see who God really is because it's not used to hearing about God from people who really know God. What he says here in Hebrews, and he emphasizes it again, As he says, they shall all know me from the least of these to the greatest. You know, it's the same thing about music. Um, Sometimes there might be a style of music that you just don't know. And you say, uh, like like I'll tell you, I'm from California, okay? And and country music to me was kind of like, I didn't hear country music very much. We heard rock and rap and R&B, and all this kind of stuff. And then when, when I picture country music, I picture like this, this uh, good old boy with a cowboy hat and some boots and a big straw out of a mat, and he's talk, singing about his dog and his ex-wife. And I mean, I thought, well, I guess that's country music. And I, man, I don't know. I can't really relate. We don't, have, we don't even have a country. What do you mean country? Like, you know, fields and stuff, much less country music out where I live. But then you come out and you uh, get around country music. I remember one of the first times I sat and I listened to country music and I thought, oh, here we go. And I, you know, I'm a musician, so I sat and I listened and I thought, man, that guitar picking's pretty good. <laughs> I didn't say it like that, but I said, that guitar picking's great, man. Wow, man, look at that bass player, that drummer, right? That's more complicated than me, man. man. My first thought on it was, that's not so bad, you know, a little bit of pride, like, yeah, not so bad, you know, country music. And then I began to listen to it, and I thought, man, I'm, I'm getting to hum along, and you know, I kind of like that. Well, what happened? I had a personal relationship with it, right? Before, you can just hear about it, and after a while, you get to, you get to enjoying it and understanding it. Or you go to some concert, you know? How many have ever been to any type of concert in your life? Yeah, you, you've been to a concert, and then in the concert, they come out with that big old theme song and the thing, and everybody's, like, singing it, and you're like... <gasps> Uh, and you get goosebumps, and you're like in this cold sweat, and you're like, man, I'm in a different, and you look around, and you go home singing that thing, and you may have said, where did that song come from? It may have been out two or three years, but what happened to you? You experienced it. You experienced it differently than before. 
See, this is what happens with God. People hear about God from people who've heard about God. But who in the world wants to know God? And he said, I want you to know me. Worship is about, is something that's personally. Worship is personal. It's personal. And then he says, from the least of these to the greatest. Notice Jesus doesn't say, you know, you got to work your way up to know me. You know, if if you're five years into it, then you can come a little closer. And 10 years, a little bit closer. No, he says, let the little children come unto me. And the disciples said, back off. You haven't, these little children haven't even put in their time. They just walked up, right? They're fighting over who's going to sit in the right and the left. No, he said, no, let them all come to me. Why? Because he wants to know every single one of them personally. He loves every single one of them. Can I tell you, God loves you as much as the person that you pass by on the street who is asking for money. There's been times where I've walked up to someone and they were dirty and they, I knew they were living right there and they were even in their own mess and they're asking you know, for, for money, asking for something. And I sat there and just the thought crossed the kid came across my mind, I'm going to be benevolent to them. I'm going to be generous to them. And the Lord is like, are you serious? You're going to be as if you're, do you realize that's your brother, that's your sister. I love them as much as I love. That could be you and they could be where you are. Don't think you're going to try to help them out as if you're, no, 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 no. Listen, Jesus loves everybody. He wants a relationship with every person. He doesn't think this whole hierarchy. He loves us all. It's all about about the least of these from the greatest. It's all about he wants us to know him personally. You know, there's companies that are out there who will call their employees partners. Like, for instance, Starbucks. You know, Starbucks uh, will... uh, uh, give their employees uh, some profit shares and they'll actually start calling them partners. And I've heard, saw some interviews where people have uh, interviewed some people who've worked at Starbucks for a number of years and they said, why do you work at Starbucks? I mean, you can get a job at somewhere else. And they said, well, you know, I just kind of feel like it's not just a job. I feel like I'm part of the family. They call you partners. They give you some profit share. They help you with your education. They do some things. Or like Disneyland. You know, I used to live right by Disneyland. I remember people would work at Disneyland. I'd say, you know, they didn't necessarily get paid very much at Disneyland, but they'd go. Well, because when they walk in, they call them all cast members. Everybody. In the business office, to the person who just started, to the performer. They call them all cast members. Why? Because they're all part of the cast. They're all part of the team. You know, that's the way it is in the kingdom. If you were born again today, he loves you just as much as the person who's been born again and served the Lord all of their life. In fact, if you weren't born again today, he loves you just as much. If you deny the Lord, he loves you just as much. He loves you. He loves every person and he wants relationship with every person. Worship is personal. And then I want to look over in uh, the second verse over in uh, uh, the Samaritan woman, about the Samaritan woman over in John chapter 4 verse 20. Jesus was encountering the Samaritan woman. And remember the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. Okay, uh, they, were, they were the you Jews and you Samaritans. They kind of stayed on two separate sides. But Jesus was having a conversation with the Samaritans which was odd enough anyway. But She comes, a Samaritan woman, and asks this question to Jesus, and she says this. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. They must have been right by a mountain, okay? Worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. 
She's saying, like, where, where should we worship? Where is worship supposed to take place? She's asking for a location. Well, this mountain refers to Mount Gezerim. It's on which the Samaritans, they built a temple as a rival place of worship uh, since they weren't welcome in the Jerusalem temple. So the Jews welcomed, uh, worshiped over here. The Samaritans worshiped over here in this place. And she's coming and saying, you're talking to me, so maybe I can ask you this question. Where is the right place to worship? Here in our place that we build or the place that you built? She's asking for the location of worship. Notice this. Jesus' response to her was this. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. Kind of sounds like that other scripture when they said, there's coming a day when I want to know every person and I'm going to write my law on their hearts. He goes on and he says in that passage in Hebrew, which we didn't, we didn't read all that, but Jesus says this. The hour is coming when they will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will they worship the Father. He says in verse 22, you worship what you do not know. Notice that. You worship what you do not know. See, you're looking for a location, but do you know God? Do you know who you're worshiping? Do you know the person behind worship? You worship who you do not know. We know who we worship for salvations of the Jews. He's saying that's who this first came through. But the hour is coming, verse 23. This is the most quoted verse on worship in the New Testament. Verse 23. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, can you say true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Can you say in spirit and truth? For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So I want you to notice, He says they will worship in spirit and truth, and then He goes on and says they must worship in spirit and truth. He's emphasizing they must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, the word worship, it come, really is a Greek word. It comes from the compound word, two words of this. It's pros. And you put it in drive, you put it in reverse, you put it in neutral. It's a direction. What is it in? It's in drive. Pros means just drive. It means toward, right? I'm worshiping toward God. I'm worshiping toward the Father, right? So that's my direction. Kaneo literally means to kiss, but it's really to kiss or to bow in homage, like someone would would bow and they would they would kneel their uh, kneel their knee and they would kiss. Uh, a king on the hand, they're, they're deferring to them. That's why there was this big thing about a president or a dignitary that came and bowed and kissed someone from uh, a, another nation and said, we don't, we're not really supposed to do that because you're kind of coming and saying, we're under you. But what it is, is it's a humility. It's something that we come and bow. So listen, worship is something toward God, but it's something that we don't just approach God like, hey friend, hey dude, hey man. No, we're coming and saying, God, this is my posture. I'm coming to you and humbling myself under you. In fact, worship is prayer. And it says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people will humble themselves and pray. Notice it's humble. In the book of Psalms, it says, oh, come let us worship and bow down right? Bow down. Worship and bow, bowing. Worship in humility. Worship in coming underneath. When Jesus, when Satan tempted Jesus the, with these three temptations, remember the second t- uh, temptation? He showed him all the, uh, the, the world and he said, all these things I'll give you if you will bow down and worship me, right? See, bowing down and worshiping humility all comes together. So when he says those who worship in spirit and in truth, 
this, uh, but he's saying the word worship, worship is really coming, humbling yourselves and bowing. So he says, how do we worship? We worship in spirit and in truth. I told you I was going to give you three things. Number one, worship is personal. But number two, worship is spiritual. Can you say worship is spiritual? Worship is not fleshly. Worship is not just mental. Worship is spiritual. It's a spiritual act that you do toward God. That's why when people are uncomfortable with worship, you can see where they are spiritually. Because there really is a spiritual... Now, I can't see because I can't see hearts. God looks on the heart, right? But spiritually, worship is a spiritual act. The true worshipers, he goes on to say, must worship in spirit and in the truth. Well, why is this? Because he says God is spirit. Let me ask you, is God flesh? No. Is God mind? No. What is God? What is God? God is spirit. What are you? Spirit. Which part of you when you were born again was born again? Here's how you know. When you die, what dies? Your flesh dies. But do you cease to exist? No. See, spiritually, you either you, you move on to heaven or hell. You move on to eternity, right? You move on. So if you were body, then you would cease to exist when you died. But your spirit, the real you is spirit. Are you mind? Are you soul? No, you're not. Those are things that you have. Those are things that you use. And you, you communicate through those, through those avenues. But the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are not mind. You are not soul. You are not body. But you are spirit. And listen, God gives you spirit. You are spirit. So, and spirit communicates to spirit. Whether you communicate with spirits like God or whether you communicate with evil spirits. Some people say, do you believe in um, sorcery and witchcraft and stuff? Absolutely I do. Do you believe when people do, uh, you know, tarot cards and people do palm reading and all that, do you believe any of that's true? Yeah, I believe it's true. I believe it's evil spirits. It's because you are a spirit and you're tapping into other spirits. But there's only two spiritual worlds in the Bible. There's not all these denominations. And all these, there's either light or darkness. And if you mess with darkness, Jesus, Jesus said the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's never a fortune telling. It's never for fortune. It's for, it should be kill, steal, and destroy telling. <laughs> right? I'm going to go to a kill, steal, and destroy teller. No, that's the truth. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. In fact, I have a, I have a friend that uh, in, they used to have like a street fair uh, in their, in their, by their church in their neighborhood. And they had a fortune teller that was always there. And one day they set up a booth, you know, by the church. The church set up a booth and I don't know, sold some stuff. And then the fortune teller didn't show up one, one night. And so she said, I'm just going to go in the fortune teller booth. And so she went into the fortune teller booth and she'd sit down and she put out a sign herself. We'll, re we'll do readings for free. And she sat down in there and people would come in and she, you know, she's a believer. She loves the Lord. She said, she, 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 she was, come, oh, sit down, come sit down. I'll do it. Is it free? It's free. Come sit down. I'll read your, I'll do a reading for you. You know, she'd sit down. She'd take her hand and she'd go, oh, you know, she'd go, oh, Jesus, can't. the Bible, 
No, no, she wouldn't say the Bible. She wouldn't say Jesus. She'd just start quoting scripture. She'd say, God has a plan for your life. Oh, it's a plan to prosper you and not do evil. And they'd go, really? Yeah. God has future and a hope. And they'd, really? That's what you see? I see a future and a hope. And she'd sit there and she'd start to quote scriptures. And then she'd say, do you want to know how to find that? Yeah. It, 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 she'd just sit there and lead them to the Lord. And then they go, wait a minute, are you the fortune teller? Nope. <laughs> she said, I got several of them. I got several of them. Just started quoting the word to You know, because we want to go and find the supernatural and the spiritual because we're looking for enlightenment. But God wants to know people. God, God wants to know people more than they want to know God. Worship is spiritual. It's spiritual. The part of you that was born again was your spirit, not your body, not your mind. But your spirit was born again. That part is the part that communicates with God. Your spirit communicates with spirit, communicates with God. Your physical communicates with physical. In other words, you don't take a physical body and a spirit and come up with a baby, right? You've never, uh, well, I guess, except Jesus, right? <laughs> the Holy Spirit, right? But, but you don't, it, it's, not a, it's not physical and a spirit. It's not flesh and spirit that interact. It's flesh and flesh. It, you communicate physical to physical, and that's not the only way you communicate, of course. You know, you communicate, you give someone a hug, you give someone a handshake, <laughs> not lately, but you do give someone, you know, you interact with people physically, right? You interact with people, uh, and you interact with God, with your mind. But spirit to spirit, you interact with God. And sometimes with people, when you're praying for them, you just have this connection. Spiritually, there's something. Well, that's the way we worship, is spirit to spirit. Worship is not fleshly. I know that over the years I've had the privilege of being able to teach uh, many worship leaders and train many worship leaders over the years that have come, whether it be in college. Uh, I taught at a couple of different uh, universities, college, colleges and university, and, uh, and was able to teach in worship and then also in church for many years. And people would come up to me and they would say, hey, uh, could, you, could you just teach me in worship? Just give me some simple given the start-offs. What do I do? And I'd say, here's what you do. You take yourself, you go into a room, you close the door, and you just worship with your most sincere heart. Worship God. And they would say, okay, okay. I remember one guy, he writes, you know, worship with my most sincere heart. Okay, okay, what's next? And I said, that's it. Just start there, just start there, and get to know God. You just get to know God. Open the Bible, read the book of Psalms. Psalms a good one, you know, and, and get to know God. Okay, okay, what's next? But most people, can I tell you what they're looking for? They're looking to know what are the mechanics, what are the tools, what are the rote, what are the, what are the things that look like worship? Show, give me the YouTube video. Give me the instruction. Give me the things so that I can, you know, have the, the, the lights, the smoke, the, 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 the right chords, the right songs, the right people, the right genes, the right whatever it is to look like worship. And I'm not against any of that kind of stuff, but that's not where you worship. You worship, you don't worship with your genes, you worship with your heart. You worship spirit to spirit, heart to heart. And anything that gets in the way of that is a distraction. 
Somebody say amen. Anything that, that, that gets in the way of spirit-to-spirit connection with God is something that the Lord detests and doesn't like. In fact, in the Old Testament, he called it brass in the temple. They took out the gold, and then they go to put it back in. They said, let's, let's, put, let's offer something that looks like gold. And it was brass. It looked like gold, but the Lord knew there was a difference. And um, that's one thing that I always pray is, Lord, keep our worship pure. Because people, people may think one thing, but at the end of the day, we're only worshiping one person. And if I left on a Sunday morning and I realized that everybody seemed like they liked worship, but I walked off and God didn't, and we failed. Worship is about spirit to spirit connecting. Are we connecting with the Lord? It's all that matters. Worship is personal. Worship is spiritual. And worship is vulnerable. Can you say worship is vulnerable? Worship is vulnerable. It's vulnerable. It's something that comes from our heart and it's something that we're open up. Uh, we have to be open about. He said those that worship must worship in spirit, spirit to spirit, and in truth. The word truth is actually a Greek word, aletheia, and uh, the word a at the beginning just negates. Lithia, that, that, that part, it literally means this, to be hidden or to escape notice. Aletheia is the opposite of this. It's, it's uh, opposite of fictitious, feigned, or false, or hiding. So, this, this word really means like to be hidden and to kind of put on a, so you think that I got all these things right. The word A at the beginning means not that. So he's saying those that worship cannot come and try to act like they're getting one over on God or like they're hiding something from God. Have you ever been in prayer or been in worship sometime and all of a sudden you're like, God, I opened my heart to you and something comes to your mind and you're like, I'm not ready to talk about that one yet. Has that ever happened to you, or is that just me? Yeah, I'm not ready for that one yet. Yeah, I'm not ready for that one yet. Uh, so I'll, I'll deal with that one at some point pretty soon, you know. But, uh, but, uh, and then you, you're like, oh, God, but here I am. I give you everything. And all of a sudden, something comes back to mind, and you're like, no, no, not that. No, not, that's no big deal anyway, God. That's not a big deal. These are the three things that are a big deal, and I took care of those, you know. And God's like, no, what about that? Oh. See, it says in the book of Hebrews that all things are naked and open under the eyes of him from whom we have to do. In other words, when you think about that thing, it's probably God bringing up that thing. And you're trying to say, not, not that. I don't want to bring that up to God. Well, you, didn't, you don't have to bring that up to God. God brought that up, that up to you. You just don't want to bring it back to God. I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah, but God does. He brought it up. <laughs> So when you say all things, Lord, and then you bring something up, what about that? Lord, you have my everything. And then that comes up. And then you say, I don't want to talk to God about that. You don't have to. He already brought it up. You have to just not talk to God about it if you're not going to talk about it. You just have to keep the... You really have to say, okay, God. Many times when God brings something up, I'll just go, okay, God. I know you already know. You know the thoughts and the intention of my heart. You got... You have... You already... You have the advantage. I understand but I don't know how to talk with you. See, that's probably the way it is. I don't know what to do about that. I don't know if I'm ready for that conversation yet. 
And God's like, can I just show you the first steps of what to be ready? Does anybody know what I'm, are you, are you here? You understand what I'm talking about this morning? See, because God, if it's heart to heart, God needs to communicate with a pure heart. With a pure, with openness, with purity. Not with perfection, but with purity in your heart. And then in, uh, he already knows what it is. And then in 2 Corinthians 3, it says this. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. You know what it's saying? He's saying that when you come before the Lord, there's liberty, there's freedom. But the more you stand before the glory of the Lord, the more you change into his image. He's not going to change into your image. You're changing into his image. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you see couples, maybe more so older couples, that you look at them and you go, they look alike. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? They, they kind of look alike. Are they brother and sister? You know, and if, if you get too far into Kansas or something, they might be. But I'm saying, but, but, but you look at them and go, are they, bro- are they brother and sister? Like, what, what's going on, you know, with those guys? Why do they look alike? Well, there was, uh, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, but um, but uh, back in 1987, some scientists from the University of Michigan set out to study the phenomenon of married couples who grew more to look like one another more and more over time. And they begin to look at them and thought, you guys start looking like one another. And their theory, which scientists still cite today, was that decades of, listen, decades of shared emotions result in a closer resemblance due to similar wrinkles and expressions. That, you know, they look and they go, oh my, oh really? Oh the Oh, and all of a sudden, their face starts to mimic one another. And over the years, they start looking like one another. And you're like, this is weird. They look like brother and sister. This is weird. What is it? What's my point? And I think you already know. When you spend time with God, he really does give you his heart. Gives you his eyes. Gives you his ears. Can't tell you how many times during the week, every week, I'm sitting there and I'm, Walking through, just going through my life. Just going through, not even asking God. And my eyes get drawn over to something, some situation. Or I'll pull out my prayer list. I have a prayer list that I just pray over you, over people, and I just say their names to God. And I say, God, keep them in your will. God, keep them close to you. God, I pray for this person who's going through this. I pray for this family. I pray for, and all of a sudden I'll get to one and, and, and my heart will stop and I'll just, my heart softens. And I sit on it for a while. I can't get them off my heart. I can't get them off my mind. Why? It's not me. It's God. It's because my, my expressions, my heart, my spirit starts to lean itself in the way that God leaned itself in. See, I'm not just talking about an act of worship that you can find on YouTube and mimic it to where you can go, you guys have a, a rocking worship ministry, a happening worship. Man, you guys are, oh my gosh, this uh, they are, I'm going to that. Man, listen, can I just tell you, I don't care about any of that. I just really want to know, do we know the Lord? And when we sing, does it come from here? Not from here. Does it come from here? I don't care if every voice in the room is just a little off. Who cares? Are their hearts on? 
I remember I have this, I have my older brother was, we were in a prayer meeting some years ago and he was sitting in the front row and I was over the piano over here and I was leading some worship. He was in the front row and right behind them there was a couple and this couple were um, mentally challenged and they, they uh, you know, they, they couldn't hear a little bit and they had some, a lot of uh, disabilities. They had some disabilities, but they were faithful. They'd always come to church and sit right up front. And man, when they'd sing, they'd just sing at the top of their lungs. And I remember we were early morning prayer on a Saturday morning, and I was leading worship one day, and Gil's sitting here right at the front, my brother, and, and, and right behind uh, this couple. And they were singing out like, oh, great is our God, sing with me. And he's, he said he's worshiping the Lord. And uh, he tells me this after. He says, man, he's worshiping the Lord. He says, and, and he's listening to the lady sing right behind him. And he just goes, man, she's singing. Can't she just tone it down? She's singing. He said, and in his heart, he hears these words. Isn't it beautiful? And he said he just wanted to climb under the pew and say, what an idiot I am. Trying to think that I have anything on the, just the sincerity of this lady. You know, I think sometimes we feel like in the kingdom that there are these spiritual things that we build up over time in church. And I'll just tell you, God just doesn't deal with it. He just wipes it all out. He just wipes all out all that stuff. And he just says, listen, I just want children who love me, who have a sincere heart, who just have openness to me. I just want people who love me. I don't care if you get the words right. In fact, Jesus even said about the Pharisees, he said, see those people over there? They have all the right words. They have the right, I think he would say today, they have the right melodies. They have the right songs. They have all the right stuff, but their heart's far from me. Worship is about being vulnerable to God. I'm not talking cry. You may not be a crier or may not, but you have to be vulnerable. You have to be open. If you're prideful, you're going to have a hard time worshiping God. Listen, three things. Worship is personal. It's not about the person next to you. It's about you on a daily basis. Worship is spiritual, spirit to spirit. And worship is vulnerable. Let's bow our heads right where you are. Would you, God, we open our hearts personally to you. Come on, every age, young, old, I know there's some youth in here. Would you just open up your hearts to God and say, God, I open up my heart. I know, Lord, you changed me when I was 12, 13 years old. You came close to me. I, I let you in. And I got to know you. And I've been able to know you the rest of my life. And I pray right now, God, in this recently, that as we open our hearts to you, that you'd make our, yourself real to us personally. Would you pray that with me? Say, God, make yourself real to me personally. I want to know you. I want to understand you. And then say this, God, spiritually, I worship you with my heart today. Would you open your heart to the Lord? Open your hands to the Lord. Open your mouth to the Lord and say, God, I open my spirit to you today and I worship you spirit to spirit. Lord, cleanse. God, I pray those who are struggling with feeling guilty or feeling like they don't have what it takes, help them to be convinced that they don't, but you do. And that you've washed all of their sins cleaned by the blood of Jesus as they've come and laid themselves down before you. Make us a people of worship. 
pour out your spirit on this house. Pour out your spirit on every home, I pray in Jesus' name. And worship is vulnerable. And God, we humble ourselves today. Would you do that with me? Just say, God, I repent of pride. Come on, tell them, I repent of pride. I repent of closing my heart from you. I repent of having safeguards, firewalls, things that I don't want you to touch in my life. And I come and I say, God, search my heart and know the thoughts and intents of my heart. See if there be an evil in me, Lord. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Thank you.